This band will forever remind me of the 2011 Memorial Cup in Mississauga because they had just released their latest album, Viva La Whatever, Vida Lo Vidi. I don't know. There was a lot of V's in there. And I listened to it virtually every day. No, not virtually. I did. I listened to it literally <laughs> every trip between here and Mississauga to watch the Memorial Cup at the, what were they calling it back then? It just, uh, the Hershey Center, it was then. It was Paramount Found Fine Foods. And now, if, if you didn't know, I'm just going to go deep into the Ontario Hockey League trivia bag here for you for a moment. Uh, Mississauga's leaving Mississauga. The Steelheads are going to Brampton because it worked so well the last time the OHL was in Brampton. Anyway, Coldplay starts our show today with their classic. Can you call it a song that's like not even 20 years old, a classic? Maybe you can. Clocks. On this day in 2013, Clocks was declared by BBC Radio 6 as the top song of the past decade. More than 100,000 votes were cast in the poll, which had looked back over the 10 years since BBC Radio 6 had launched as a radio station. And Clocks came in at number one. I know what you're thinking or wondering. Hey, Farwell, what was number two? Well, that was the Arctic Monkeys. I bet you look good on the dance floor. No word of a lie. I used to listen to the Arctic Monkeys. And Voted into third place, Elbow, with one day like this. I have no idea who Elbow is or what Elbow is other than the thing I can use in hockey games like Gordie Howe used to use. That's all I know about that. But on this day in 2013, Clocks by Coldplay was voted number one, the best song of the past decade, according to listeners of BBC's Radio 6. Good morning. It is eight minutes after nine on Wait a Minute. We're here. It is February. Thank heavens for February. I think the old saying was, or song, or some title was, thank heaven for little girls. No, thank heaven that it is February, finally. I must say, though, having been out for an after-dinner walk with Rosie the Pandemic Pup last night, not as many, there were more than I thought, but not as many homes still illuminated with those lovely Christmas lights. I was hoping until the end of January we could keep it going. And many of you did, so kudos to you. Much to my chagrin, when I got home, I realized our outdoor lights had been turned off. Somebody pulled the plug when I wasn't looking. I guess the family decided enough was enough. It was a little bit less festive, a little bit less bright around the neighborhood. But we're going to celebrate that we have now finally arrived to the month of February. We've got that long month of January out of the way. It's the final Let's take a look at your Farwell Show 5 for this Thursday, the 1st of February. Number one, the region of Waterloo International Airport had another record-breaking year in 2023 in total. 445,312 passengers traveled through YKF. That's an 18.39% increase over 2022. Number two, from planes to trains, Go Transit, adding weekend train service to Waterloo Region, but 
only for the two university reading weeks. Waterloo MPP Catherine Fife says this shows we're being shortchanged on transit to Toronto. Why have we been waiting so long? And if they can provide weekend trains and weekend service uh, for two weeks of the year, why can't they provide that service for the remainder of the year? I think that's a very good question. Ms. Fife, number three on your Farwell Show 5 for this Thursday, February the 1st. Federal government says it's providing $121 million for police in Ontario to target gun and gang violence with a particular focus on the surge in auto thefts and carjackings. We're tackling auto theft head on with $51 million over three years to help police identify and dismantle criminal networks behind auto theft rings because people shouldn't have to live in fear of their cars getting stolen in the middle of the night or doors being kicked in at their residence and sometimes at gunpoint. That's Ontario Premier Doug Ford at yesterday's announcement in York Region. Number four on your Farwell Show 5 list this morning, the federal government pledging an additional $362 million to help temporarily house asylum seekers across the country. And Toronto will get a significant amount of that money. Let me think here for a second. $121 million for guns, gangs, car thefts. $362 million to house asylum seekers. It's almost half a billion dollars from the feds yesterday announced. Maybe there is going to be a spring election after all. And number five on your Farwell Show 5 for this Thursday morning. The Kitchener Rangers defenseman Hunter Brustevich has had his NHL rights traded from Vancouver to Calgary. And NHL All-Star festivities get underway tonight in Toronto. We also begin with this first day of February, Black History Month. It is 9-12. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. on your Thursday morning. We mentioned just a few moments ago on your Farwell Show 5 for today. Federal government providing $121 million for police in Ontario to target gun and gang violence with a particular focus on the surge in auto thefts and carjackings. And on that note, we welcome to the program Elliot Silverstein, who's the Director of Government Relations with CAA Insurance Company. Elliot, good morning. Good morning. I suspect that you would agree that this funding and action, particularly around car thefts and car jackings, is very much needed in Ontario right now. It certainly is. It's a great announcement. It follows on the heels of the provincial government announcement last year where they put in $51 million for law enforcement to tackle this. This is a this is a, a crisis at this point. We have issues happening all across the province. It is a significant challenge, and we really need to turn the page on this issue. And I think consumers or vehicle owners are going to want to turn the page on this issue, Elliot, because ahead of the announcement yesterday, I suggested that If this page does not get turned, we might have people being priced out of vehicle ownership because they can't afford insurance rates. Are we seeing within the insurance industry 
challenges in insuring certain vehicles, certain geographical areas, etc.? So there are a number of challenges, and a lot of what CAA has been trying to do is to sound the alarm on this so that we try and address this before it actually happens. Because a lot of the, the challenges with the theft crisis right now is that cars are being stolen soon after they're purchased. It's not like they're five or six years old in many cases. These are almost uh, thefts that are happening at their full value. And, and, that, and that's a cost to the insurance industry. It's a challenge for consumers because, again, if they have to get a car replaced, odds are that their, their car is being replaced at a higher cost than what they may have paid on purchase, but they're also paying higher interest rates than they may have had when they first initially purchased their vehicle. And as you said, the challenges are is that, is that you know people don't want to see their insurance rise, and we want to avoid that because if we can make cars safer, deal with some of the challenges in terms of accessing the vehicles, but also encouraging consumers to take greater precautions, change some of their habits, we can all win this this war because um, we all have to come to the table. We have so many that are involved in it right now, but we need to keep going. What habits need to change on the part of consumers or vehicle owners, Elliot? So it really depends on how you park your car and where you reside. So for example, if you have a garage and you're not using it for your vehicle, now is the time to do it. If you leave your keys at the front of the house uh, by habit, you have a hook there, find another spot. Consider a Faraday pouch to block the radio frequencies of your key fob. If you have two cars in your household, park the lesser valued vehicle closer to the street. Um, Even a visual deterrent like a club, the steering wheel lock, is a great option. And if you really want the protection, look at a professionally installed immobilizer that will actually prevent the vehicles from being uh, um, engaged altogether without having the necessary code or, or, or materials to get it started. So these are things, some are small, some are more significant, but again, there's many different options for drivers depending on the make, model, and, and style of their, of their lifestyle. I've heard a lot of calls more recently, Elliot, given the increase in car thefts, towards manufacturers and having the manufacturers, uh, you know, install some sort of anti-theft or theft deterrent technology at the manufacturing level in the plant, for example. Is the insurance industry working at all with automobile manufacturers to this end? We we have had conversations. The, the, The challenge really is, because I think that Everybody plays a role in, in the solutions. We've all had a role in where the challenges are. But I think that when we look at the situation now, we look at the federal tra- uh, standards for vehicles, they have not been updated since 2007. So that's 17 years. In those 17 years, we've seen so much technology evolve in our lifestyle, smartphones, tablets, and so forth. And all those tools are being used to get access to our vehicles so quickly. We love the push-button start that we have in our cars. Most people like the convenience, but we can't trade off safety for that. And that's where you know, manufacturers coming forward, the federal government changing standards. Those, if we work those in tandem, we will see changes. I'm thinking back to our summer forest fires. We have flooding. It's a particular issue in this community at times with a couple of rivers that flow through us. Is there a comparable impact on the insurance industry when you look at all of these vehicle thefts you know is weather related incidents comparable to what you're seeing now with car thefts in the insurance industry the, the magnitude of a weather incident is, is very high because you have you have a burst of, of, of situations that happen a flood a tornado whatever it may be but it it dissipates you take care of the claims and it's resolved largely within a few months this actually is very different because it is spread out over 12 months it is a recurring problem. It's a challenge for the industry because we keep seeing the claims all through the year 
But the worst part is there's no end in sight. When you have a weather event, you know that the storm is going to end. Here, there is no end, and that's why we keep saying things to that end, saying to government, to to, um, to manufacturers and so forth, that this is this is a crisis because it's something where we don't even know when it's going to turn downwards, and we need to make that happen as soon as possible. Elliot, I really appreciate your time on this this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Elliot Silverstein is the Director of Government Relations with the CAA Insurance Company, joining us to talk about that federal government announcement of $121 million to help Ontario crack down on auto thefts. This is absolutely an increasing concern. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. 927, three minutes away from your update in the City News Centre. A couple of people on the line want to talk to us this morning. We'll make time for it, as always. Doug, good morning. Hello, Mike. Hello, Douglas. I was uh, rather interested to hear this announcement yesterday, and, and uh, it, it, it kind of gets under my skin a bit. It was commercials even run on your station about the fact that we shouldn't have to pay for someone else's carelessness or, or bad driving skills. And yet somehow insurance companies think the rest of us should pay for people that can't be bothered looking after the safety of the cars. And, you know, there's, there's this, or, or the criminality. The, the, uh, there's a friend of mine in Pickering. He bought, his, he bought his wife a new car, parked it in the driveway the night of her birthday. It was gone the next morning. Now, the only way something like that happens is if someone at a dealership knows the car is going out, as far as I'm concerned. People can't just detect that right away and, and steal it the, the day it's bought. Well, it's, somebody, had, somebody had to have a hand in that. Maybe, it's, maybe so. I, I do worry about, and I remember seeing this a while back on a TV news report, but the key's too close to the door and they can use these readers to steal the codes listen i i don't know i'm i'm a little bit reluctant to blame the vehicle owners in general but if you're leaving your car idling to warm it up in the winter time and things like that eh, i don't have a lot of uh a lot of time for you in that regard uh paul i got about 60 seconds okay i'll try and make this quick after yeah. the call the other day apparently other people have been calling into uh National questioning why the short time on the Cambridge uh, Writing Association nominations. Every one of them gets the exact same response. They say that there's over 300 writings that they have to run nominations for. That in itself is false, because if there's already a conservative uh, in that writing, they don't have to run a writing uh, or nomination meeting. Plus, there's going to be a redistribution very shortly. The, uh, where boundaries are going to change and there's going to be additional writings added in. So what is the real reason that they're pushing for a nomination meeting so quickly in Cambridge? Like I say, everybody that's contacted me has gotten the exact same response, no matter who it is that they sent their original contact email to. They all get the same response over 300 writings, and, hey, I see you're agreeing that there could be a spring election. (laughs) All right, Paul. While all that money being handed out made me think about it, it sounds to me like in Cambridge, the Writing Association has a preferred candidate. So if they make it a short runway to the nomination, it basically excludes others who may have been tempted to run. Appreciate your call, too, Doug. Remember, we have the 12 o'clock talkback hour every day from noon until 1, opening the phone lines to hear from you. Right now, it's off to the City News Centre we go. And then 
What's wrong with a parking lot? Anyway, we'll talk about that next on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News. In fact, I do have an opinion, especially about this particular issue, which we talked about on the show a little more than a week ago. The Schneider lands in Wilmot Township. Schneider family matriarch, Jane Schneider, now 94 years young, and the family is interested in seeing a good portion, about 240 acres of this land, donated to the Rare Charitable Research Reserve. This is land that has been used for decades. Schneider family allows it to happen. It's a beautiful, pristine piece of rural landscape in our community. People hike there. They cross-country ski there. They just enjoy nature there. And since they've been doing this for decades, now that the land donation process is in place, there's been a request on the part of the township that a parking lot be included on the lands. This has got people upset. I've wondered myself, why can't we just leave well enough alone? Let's find out. Chris Wilkinson is a Ward 2 counselor in Wilmot Township, joins us for a conversation this morning. Chris, let's just dive right in. Why does the township require a dedicated parking area to be included on these lands? For sure. And, and Mike, thanks again for your time. Uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to chat about this issue. And uh, let me start this way. I'm going to answer your question, but I, I want to preface it with a couple of things. And, and, and I'll just start by saying, okay, this, this land is incredible. And uh, I would encourage anyone, if you've yet to check it out um you know you'd have to be a skier at this time of year to to do so but uh in the summer you know incredible place to hike incredible place to explore um i I use it myself uh i I bring my my young daughters there and and give them the opportunity to to get away from screens and and other uh stressors in life and 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 it's a biologically diverse and rich area it's part of the laurel creek headwaters significant recharge area for the waterloo moraine and um a, a truly a, a treasure to our region and in Wilmot Township. And Mike, the, the reason uh, we're, we're looking at requiring a parking lot here is, is really there's two issues that exist. Uh, one is safety, first and foremost, uh, and the other being liability. And I'm going to start with the safety issue. It's there's there's a few issues that exist uh, at present. Uh, first and foremost, you've got rural roads that for the most part, lack shoulders. Um, They also are bordered by ditches and culverts that, you know, present safety issues if you're trying to potentially even park on a road that doesn't have a shoulder. You could very easily find yourself uh, in in a situation that you you wouldn't want to be in. And that's one part of it. The other part of it, and and I would encourage anybody that does go check out these lands, uh, if you stand on the corner of Weidman Road and Wilmot Line, and you're kind of in between Waterloo and, and Wilmot there. But, you know, there's there's some hilly areas. There's some blind approaches uh, when you're coming over Wilmot Line. And you know, I, I think um, if you look at former road studies and, and some of the proponents of this project, we'll be the first ones to tell you that, you know, you, we have folks that they fly down Wilmot Line at 90 kilometers an hour on a gravel road. And that presents safety issues when you're coming over a blind hill and, and you're coming down rather quick and you don't potentially see pedestrians crossing the road. Um, so, so that's an issue. And, and I was out there back in, um, I would say, mid to late fall, meeting with a, a constituent and, and taking a walk through the land. I was sitting there and, and we're talking and in roughly a 10-minute span, I, I probably counted about 
50 to, to 55 cars that were coming over this hill. And, and that's a, actually a rather high volume for a rural boundary road um, out in the middle of nowhere. And then that presents a safety issue. And where I have cause for concern is you know, if we're looking at potentially bringing in uh, school trips or, you know, you want to park and have children um, walk across the road. There's, there's certainly issues and concerns there. And uh, if, you know, I'm going to quote my, uh, my fellow counselor, uh, Councillor Sadu from Baden here, uh, you know, would, would he let his children cross that road or, or attend a school trip there? Uh, he'd have serious questions. And I know uh, myself being a, a parent of some uh, young school-aged daughters, I, I don't know that I would do that either. Um, so there, there's certainly an issue that exists around there. There's also the liability issue. And, and let's go back and, and let's preface this with a couple of things. Um, and I kind of want to set some groundwork here for understanding so that, that folks understand the, the thought process. Uh, the Schneider family has grown up on this land. It's uh, obviously we've already established it's a beautiful piece of property and, and one that I know is near and dear to the heart. So the, the desire to preserve it, uh, totally understandable. And uh, the, the 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 approach that they're taking is is one that you know I, I can understand. They want to donate to an organization, um, the Rare Charitable Reserve. They operate a, a great piece of property out in Cambridge uh, along Blair Road in the, the uh, Grand River, and and they get a land that they can continue to facilitate public use for recreation. They're able to perform research. They're able to preserve and observe, which is fantastic. The way that the land is, is being structured for donation uh, achieves a couple things. Uh, one, it sets it up as a, an ecological gift. Um, and, and you have to forgive me. I mean, I don't want to get down a rabbit hole of all the different layers of protection that would be here. But uh, through the government of Canada, in essence, once this land is donated, it's set up in perpetuity. So you, you can't do anything to it. And this land already has a ton of protections. We actually uh, briefly addressed this at Council House site. So there, there are some folks that are suggesting that potentially we're, we're holding out and waiting for developers to come along. This land can't be developed. It's environmentally sensitive, and it's got a whole bunch of protections already layered on top of it. You, you just simply can never develop this land. But we're setting it up to preserve in perpetuity. And that means no future changes once the zoning application goes through. Now, there's also the the desire to expedite this process due to the matriarch Jane Schneider's advanced age. And, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, I know the family's been forthcoming in, in some of their challenges with um, potential estate tax and, and uh, issues along those lines. And if they were to not have this go through, then they would have to potentially look at selling the lands and, you know, they would use those proceeds to pay for the estate tax, but they'd also uh, incur capital gain taxes on, on the, the sale um, proceeds as well. So there's a variety of issues there. And, and one way to get around that is let's donate the land. So great, we get to preserve it. But two, we're also able to get some tax uh, receipts and credits that we can use to offset the, the estate tax and potentially limit um, any issues there on, on the inheritance side. At the same time, they've got three properties built on the land that need to actually be severed off into additional lots. And that becomes even more complicated um, if something were to happen. And, and, and again, I don't, have a, I don't have a copy of their will or their power of attorney or their wishes in front of me. Uh, so, you know, I didn't want to begin to speculate, but I'm sure uh, many people can appreciate that. Should something ever happen to a family when you're looking at inheritance and multiple uh, people party to the estate, it, it, it can sometimes become rather tricky and challenging. And I, 
you know, certainly appreciate that they want to get something done um, at the wishes of, of the matriarch ahead of time. Now, all this sounds pretty good so far. The issue is that the township is the tool that has to facilitate the zoning change. And they're proposing zoning uh, zone 11, which is open land. It's very similar to uh, a recreation area or a golf course, so on and so forth. And if the township is to look at this property and say that, ah, oh, yeah, you know, the, the current parking situation where you have people parking illegally on the road uh, is fine. We are essentially endorsing that as a solution and we get the liability. So the township doesn't really, we don't get land. We don't own it. We have no future say on, on how this can be modified uh, to include safety and liability uh, or, or to mitigate safety and liability concerns but rather we get the liability. So we have to look at this from a perspective and we've got legal opinion, we've got in our insurance provider opinion, we've got professional staff saying, this isn't something that we could do. Well, we need to be cognizant of that. And as a council, we have a fiduciary duty to protect the, the finances and the integrity of our township. And I certainly don't want to put forward um, a zoning change that would potentially be perceived to be negligent or put the township in a position of liability. And, you know, that one in a million chance someone actually gets hit or killed or uh, or worse on these roads, then the township doesn't want to be the, the party that's uh, responsible for having to cover that. And it, it really does present a challenge to us. It, it can even go even further that if we totally ignore all this advice, you know, we, we could even be held uh, potentially liable for director's liability, which carry on with us for the rest of our lives uh, individually as counselors. So uh, there's a variety of challenges there that we need to get around. And, and one of the ways to do that is to propose an off-street parking solution. Um, now, we have some some guidelines in our bylaw that would set out that in this type of zoning change, you would uh, expect off-street parking, uh, which we already have uh, with some of the other lands and, and trails in our area. You know, those crown lands off Queen Street's uh, off the Petersburg Highway interchange, there's a parking lot there. Um, same with Walker Woods uh, in New Hamburg. There's a parking lot uh, with an accessible trail point uh, in um, the Stonecroft neighborhood. And, and then there's, there's street parking as well. But we're talking about roads that have widened shoulders, certain safety features built into it. And in this particular situation um, in, in the corner of Wilmot here uh, to the north, those roads just simply don't have those safety features or widened shoulders built in. So, you know, we, we, we just have to take all this into account and, and we're looking to work with the family to address these issues. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's the best I can explain it. I hope that, uh, that helps. Chris Wilkinson is Ward 2 Counselor in Wilmot Township. And I want to continue this conversation, but we have to take a quick break. One of the things I'm interested in knowing, though, is why the township has to assume this liability. Why not the recipient of the donated lands, the Rare Charitable Research Reserve? Stay with us. We continue the conversation on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570. And we continue our conversation with Chris Wilkinson, Ward 2 Counselor in Wilmot Township, about the parking lot requirement that the township is asking on the Schneider lands, which are being donated to Rare Charitable Research Reserve. So, Chris, the the big question I'm wondering about is why it's not Rare that carries the liability here as opposed to the township. 
Well, and that's a, that's a great question. I, quite simply, I, I would suggest to you that they would also carry some liability, very similar to the current setup. Um, you know, th- there's been a lot of um, a lot of correspondence and conversations with folks saying, "Well, the, the current parking works," and you know, I, I would go so far as to say, "Well, there, there actually is no parking at present. There, there are that's not entirely true. There, there are four spots, roughly." On, on one portion of Carmel Cook Road that in the past, this is before my time, the township did widen the shoulder. So there, there is four spots there. That, and then there's some parking as well on Wyburn Road, but now we're crossing into another municipal, like we're crossing municipal boundary, we're in Waterloo, and then folks still have to cross the road, which is, um, there are certain safety issues and concerns there, right? But what you'll see is through the winter and, and through the summer, folks will line the roads, um, parking on, a, on an area that doesn't have a shoulder that drops off deep into a ditch. And when you have that lined on both sides of the road, you've got issues with emergency vehicles being able to necessarily navigate it, uh, plows being able to navigate it. Um, and they're, they're doing this against our parking bylaws. Um, so at present and in the future, I would suggest to you that, yeah, there, there are risks and liability issues, uh, to both the Schneider family currently and as well the, uh, rare, um, theoretically, uh, being proposed here. But the, the biggest issue is, is the reason that we take on part of it as a township is that we would be endorsing the solution as is. And, um, uh, quite frankly, the, the solution just is not one that's viable. Um, and, you know, while, while we haven't necessarily been great as a township in terms of enforcing our bylaws on that road, um, you know, it, it is something that has been drawn to our attention. And now I would suggest that we, we have to be better at uh, enforcing those parking bylaws on, on those roads. When we talk about a parking lot, I think a lot of people's minds go to Costco and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of spaces in this mass wasteland of asphalt. Mm-hmm. The kind of parking area or solution we're talking about on these Schneider lands as we move forward with this process, what do you envision? What is being, what is required here on the part of the township? Yeah, that. That's a great question, and one that I would suggest is still open for debate and, and modification. I think initially our staff had put forward a number suggesting a, a space for 12 uh, would be great. And, and there's a few thoughts here. I mean, personally, I feel something that might allow for a, a school bus to perform a three-point turn and um, and safely exit the parking lot would be reasonable. Um, but you know, I, I'm not suggesting that we have to go and put in a, a massive, expensive parking lot with pavement. You know, I don't, uh, to, to, to quote Joni Mitchell, I don't want to pave par- paradise and put up a parking lot. I, there, there are solutions that we can um, come up with here, and that could be a, a gravel base. That could be uh, leaving it a, a dirt base with uh, an area that has some flattened grass. Or uh, we've got the, the Mike Shout wetlands out in uh, New Hamburg where they've installed pavers that allow vegetation um, and greenery to grow through them. So I, I think there are solutions here that can be looked at that would address some of the concerns regarding, um, you know, impacting the, the biology of the, the lands. But um, truthfully, you know, our, our bylaw sets out right now the, the minimum 
size is I think 2.97 meters by six meters. So it's it's not overly large, and you know, we we're essentially looking at maybe um, nine feet by by 18 feet. So you're, you're looking at accommodating some vehicles and. I think it needs to be maybe slightly larger than that, but I'm not talking about a, a massive parking lot uh, that would suggest that this is a huge attraction. Um, it, just something simply that would address the liability concern, allow for safe parking and uh, a mitigation of the liability on that front. It is important for us to uh, be able to share this information with the community, Chris, and you've been a key part of that. Thank you very much for making time for the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate your interest on this topic as well as others. And I look forward to having a conversation with you again in the future. And I would go so far as to suggest to anyone that has any uh, questions or or concerns regarding this issue, please, uh, you can find our contact information. And that's all of the councillors on uh, Omont Council. You can find it on the website. Please do reach out to us. I'm more than happy to chat with anyone, and uh, whether that be email or uh, phone. It's an important reminder that you are there to be contacted. You're representing the people of your community for sure. Thanks again, Chris. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Chris Wilkinson, Ward 2 Councillor in Wilmot Township, explaining from the township's perspective why the liability is on the township and a parking lot may be a necessary part of donated lands from the Schneider family. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. As you know, the federal government has pressed pause on its expansion of medical assistance in dying, and Canadian Paralympians will finally get paid for their performance. Those conversations coming up right after this update from the City News Centre. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. It is regarded as a game-changing moment in the sporting landscape of this country. Canadian Paralympians are now going to be financially rewarded for medals they win at the Paralympic Games. This will begin later this year at the Paris Games this summer and each edition of the Games thereafter. Somebody that played a key role in this spearheading the effort and even putting up some of his own money joins the program this morning in Sanjay Malavia. Sanjay, it's great to get you back on the show. Good morning. Morning, Mike. It's great to be here again. Thank you so much. Why was it so important to you that Paralympians be recognized in this regard and paid for their performance at the Games? Well, I I think uh, to be perfectly honest, I I hadn't realized that was the case before and uh, quite sort of stepped into this uh, whole world a little bit accidentally. So I think I want to give credit for all the people um, who've moved the mountain before me and uh, pushed this issue. Uh, for me, I have no idea why we weren't doing it before, but once I found out that was happening, it just made a, a lot of sense to get involved and uh, rectify this and uh, Basically, show the world that in Canada, we value all of our citizens equally and we appreciate all athletes that represent our country. So for me, it was a no-brainer after finding out and a real privilege to be involved. What did it take to get us here, Sanjay? 
Well, I think uh, <laughs> I'm not the best expert to, to talk about that, uh, Mike, but just in the short time that I've learned, you know, a, a lot of amazing people um, from politicians uh, to the people involved in the Paralympics movement themselves, of course, the athletes and the effort that they put in each and every day. Um, and then, honestly, like people like you, Mike, uh, there's a lot of... Um, reporters that have really highlighted this issue and brought it to the forefront. And together as a team, all of you have really uh, made this issue um, center stage. And someone like me is just privileged to be able to walk in and, and be able to help at this stage. And I'm proud, like I hope every Canadian is, that we are now uh, supporting our Paralympians the way that they always deserve to be supported. You are quite literally putting your money where your mouth is in this regard as the lead donor and matching a $2 million investment from the federal government. I I think this just speaks to your commitment to this. And in fact, you'd been making similar donations for many years, even before this kind of became official with the investment from the federal government. Why? Yeah, I think I was on your show uh, maybe maybe a couple of years ago and uh, that that story sort of um, <clears throat> predates why I'm here today uh, because at that time, I, I think, I hope I could say innocently, made a donation to support all of our athletes, Olympians and Paralympians, for winning medals at the prior Olympics. And uh, as I said, I, I accidentally just said, of course, you know, we're going to give to Paralympians and we're going to give the same as we're giving to Olympians without really understanding how heavy that message was. Uh, I only found out with the feedback. And because of that, uh, I developed great relationships with the wonderful people in um, in the Paralympic uh, Committee and the Paralympic Foundation. And uh, they've kept me up to speed on all the efforts uh, that they were making. And this was perhaps the biggest item on their agenda. And when I found out that I could help, I jumped at the opportunity. The question has been asked many times before, Sanjay. What's in the water in Waterloo, in Waterloo region? And, and your roots are in the Hespler area of Cambridge. Is there something in the water around here that, you know, helps to foster this sort of sensibility within you? It's funny you use that metaphor because, ironically, I used to love the water in Hespler when I was growing up. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Something something changed along the way, and um, um, but I, I always remember as a child uh, just loving the water coming out of the tap. Um, but no, I, I think you know it, you know this, Mike. It's our community. We have a great community. We support each other. Our sports are front and center in our community, and uh, we're passionate people. Um, we love each other. We love taking care of each other. And I grew up in that environment, so um, I mean, I'm just an extension of. Uh, everything I've learned along the way. And uh, I'm just really, as I said many times, privileged to be in a position to be able to help. And, and I hope I can keep doing things like this. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I never forgot where I've come from. I think last time I was on your show, I joked about uh, highlighting Haskell, and I'm glad you did it on your own this time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously the entire community of Cambridge uh, is, is a fantastic place, and I'm, I'm so proud to be from the Waterloo region. I, I think it's remarkable what you've done, the bar that you've set, and the leadership that you've shown. Uh, once again, Sanjay, really appreciate your time on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks once again for having me, Mike. Um, I appreciate it, and I want to congratulate you as well on everything you're doing for the community. Much like you, I find it pretty easy to support a place like this, that is for sure. Let's keep up the good work together then, okay? You got it. Great. Thanks, Sanjay. Have a great day.
You too. Bye-bye. Sanjay Malavia, lead donor and president of C- and, and CEO of RL Solutions. Uh, grew up in the Hespler area of Cambridge. Now has the Malavia Foundation through his entrepreneurial pursuits and is putting up $2 million of his own money. On top of the more than $1 million, he essentially donated by way of payment to Olympians and Paralympians back in 2022. And that has paved the way for where we are at today. Beginning this summer, Canadian Paralympians are going to be financially rewarded for medals they win at the Paris Games. That'll be $20,000 for a gold, 15000 for a silver, and 10000 for a bronze. $2 million of Sanjay's money, $2 million of federal government money. Getting this ball rolling. And he's right here in our own backyard. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. As I'm sure you know by now, new legislation in Canada passed back in 2021, delayed by two years the expansion of medical assistance in dying to include those who suffer from mental illness. So you do the quick math, 2021 delaying by two years takes us to 2023. That deadline was later pushed back until March of this year, about six weeks from now, but The federal government has announced once again it's seeking another pause on its made provisions that would cover those suffering solely from mental illness. Helen Fishburne is the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association, Waterloo Wellington, joins us for a conversation. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, thanks so much for making time to talk about what is, for me, a a really difficult issue. I mean, I I can sort of see it from both sides here, especially for somebody who is struggling mightily. But when it comes to solely mental illness as a criteria, I'm not sure how comfortable I am. How do you feel about this latest pause from the federal government? Well, you're absolutely right, first of all. Very, very complex issue with many layers. Um, And because of that, honestly, we welcome the decision to pause this. It was, even though, you know, they gave a a two-year window, right, of of grace to allow for further consultation and review, it it was not adequate given the amount of uh, complexity to look at across the country, really, uh, and with the amount of people involved, service providers, experts like psychiatrists, uh, more importantly, people with lived experience and living experience, uh, and all of that in between, right? So we need more time to get this right. I suspect, Helen, somebody who does the work that you do at the Canadian Mental Health Association of Waterloo, Wellington, has a difficult time looking at mental illness as a sole criteria for MAID because mental illness is something that I think we can we can work on together. We can make improvements in these conditions. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I mean, we're here. CMHA Waterloo Wellington is here 
to improve people's lives. We spend an enormous amount of time and energy and focus, Mike, trying to help people save their lives, right? Have a better quality of life. Um, that That's our whole reason for being here. So this legislation for certain is, is an ethical challenge for us. But I also want to recognize, and, and you know this from the many conversations we've had, as, as your listeners do, there are a lot of people suffering uh, from really debilitating and dark uh, mental health uh, and substance use health conditions. And and I don't for one minute want to take away uh, from, you know, the that experience or minimize it uh you know this this conversation is not about well just just deal with it just live with it you know that is not the message here at all the the message is you know a, a medical assistance in dying is an extremely uh complicated decision to arrive on in mental health because unlike other physical conditions we don't have some of the black and white conditions uh that go along with making this kind of decision right so it isn't easy and as you know, because we've also talked about this, there is not equal access to care um, for people with mental health and substance use conditions. And we have to have that equal access. That's a human rights issue, first of all. But we have to have that access to care that people get what they need as part of this decision-making process, right? Because we can't make decisions about MAID until we've given people a fair shot at, at valuable and life-saving treatment. And unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, that's not the reality in our world. And I have to think, Helen, that the access to that care and the access to that treatment has to start, has to be made available as early as possible in the Absolutely. process. Right? Yeah. yeah, early as possible. And we know that from research, right? Right. The earlier you get in uh, to resolve an issue that, that appears, uh, whether it's an anxiety, a depression, a psychosis, whatever it is, um, the earlier, or the better the outcome is for that person. But again, Mike, right now, as of this morning, 3,425 people waiting for ongoing care just in our local community, Guelph, Wellington, and Waterloo Region. 3,425 people. Is CMHA uh, going to be involved in consultations with the federal government as they take this time with the latest pause? Absolutely. We've been very active in this issue. So uh, both CMHA National uh, and CMHA Ontario, which are two very strong organizations, are involved in uh, both the, the policy side of this, uh, Mike, as well as the implementation side of it. Uh, you know, certainly we are looking locally for some opportunity to provide feedback as well because we have a lot to offer, right? When you think about, uh, just as an example, our Here 24-7 staff who are answering, you know, 6,000 calls a month uh, and we're getting inquiries about people that want to uh, have the option of made people that that really are are at the end of their uh, frustration tolerance and, and suffering so we're getting their inquiries and then the other side of that coin is our own staff you know need to be involved in these assessments and in developing pathways and you know what the, what the issue is going to look like on the ground right so when you go from policy to practice there's a lot that CMHA national uh, provincial and then local uh, can do to contribute to to trying to resolve this issue in one way or another. 
Helen, I always appreciate your time. And just before I let you go, and I know like this is such a serious issue and also some work that can be done. I've uh, I've lured a few of my colleagues here at the radio station into the push-up challenge for oh, CMHA wonderful. this month. So we're starting to crank out our, our first sets today, trying to do those 2,000 push-ups this month to recognize the 20% of Canadians that will need care for or will suffer from a mental illness in the next year. Thank you so much, Mike. As you know, push-ups, physical health is connected to our mental health, right? So we want to make that connection. We want to challenge people to push for better mental health, right? And and honestly work through, like push-ups aren't easy for anyone, but we want people to push through the discomfort of that and actually feel good knowing that they've achieved that kind of accomplishment. And of course, we're raising funds because 3,425 people in this community need that kind of support. So honestly, we can't thank you enough for that. That's awesome. Yeah, the inspiration came straight from your offices. So I thank you in return. And I thank you for being here today, Helen. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Helen Fishburne is the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association of Waterloo Wellington. Uh, speaking to us about the ongoing consultations with the federal government as it once again presses pause on plans to expand medical assistance in dying to cover those suffering solely from mental illness. That expansion was to happen mid-next month. It's not going to now, and these consultations will continue. And yes, as an aside, several of us here at the radio station involved in the push-up challenge, uh, go ahead and critique my form all you want. Christine Clark, our morning news anchor, who is... Uh, part of our push-up challenge team here at the radio station said, you were brave putting that video online. I'll take it. Go ahead. You can check it out for yourself. I've started working on this. Good thing we got some young kids around the radio station here to to pick up the slack for those of us that might not make it to 2,000 push-ups this month. But uh, you can see it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV. Well, how do you like this for a happy coincidence? Timing, as they say, is everything. We just finished a conversation with Helen Fishburne, the CEO at the Canadian Mental Health Association of Waterloo, Wellington, to talk about the federal government seeking another pause on its expansion of medical assistance in dying to include those who suffer solely from a mental illness. And we received, not moments ago, a news alert from the Canadian press that says the Liberal government will delay now until 2027 the expansion of eligibility for assisted dying to those whose sole underlying condition is a mental illness. So what began as a two-year delay, which took us till 2023, then it got bumped into March of this year, 2024. We're now pushing it out another three years until 2027. This, to me, makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Let's continue the consultations and make sure that the sole underlying condition of a mental illness is great criteria enough to apply for medical assistance in dying. We'll probably get details on this and more in our update right now from the City News Centre and then a chance to give you some detail on the regiment in Cambridge, our proud Royal Highland Fusiliers. And their honorary colonel will join us in studio next on the Mike Farwell Show. Stay with us. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV.
I think when I say Royal Highland Fusiliers, you all have some sense of this regiment in our community. Proudly out of Cambridge. But how much do you really know about what happens within those walls and what it means to be a member of the Royal Highland Fusiliers? Well, we're about to find out with their honorary colonel, Jane Klugman, who joins me in studio. And I wonder, Jane, first of all, lovely to see you. Good morning. Great to see you. (laughs) I should always start at the beginning, but I was so anxious to ask about that title, which you made history in having bestowed upon you as the first woman honorary colonel in the history of the regiment. How, How does that feeling a year or so later... It's amazing. So yeah, you you were the first person to bring me on the show. It was the day after the change of appointment as the honorary colonel. So I had been the honorary lieutenant colonel and also the first woman to do that. Um, the regiment has been in our community since 1866, so longer than the country has been a country. And it feels pretty amazing to be able to add my name to that long list of very distinguished honorary colonels that have gone before me. So what should folks know about the regiment, Jane? What should we know about the Royal Highland Fusiliers of Cambridge? They should know everything. <laughs> they should like, <laughs> not hesitate. Experts, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, should, they should know that we exist. And I think, you know, we live in such a safe community that sometimes we forget that we have a military presence and the great things that these soldiers, men and women, are doing every single day. And we're deploying soldiers uh, left, right, and center. And as the, the conflicts around the world escalate, we are sending more and more out the door. And not only brigade, but division commanders are making this one of their critical missions for the next 24 to 36 months. And it is to train our soldiers, get them out the door. We went through a long period of time when we didn't put anyone anywhere. They didn't deploy. And I really believe that when soldiers sign up for the Army, they sign up because they want to go and serve our country somewhere. And it could be domestically. It could be, you know, ice storms and fires and different things that we have here in Canada. But it could also be Middle East, Europe, Europe, for example, the Ukraine. There's so many things going on right now. What do they do here in, the, in terms of training to be ready for that deployment when the call comes? So there's a number of courses that the Army just, you have to do, and it's part of getting, you know, your private rank and then your captain. And as you go up through the ranks, you have to do certain courses. But here we parade once a week, so every Thursday night, and we do education courses. We do, you know, training on the parade square, so physical training. And then one week in a month, we do a whole weekend's worth of training. So when you sign up as a reservist, you have a full-time job, and then you are expected to train one night a week and one week in a month. When you sign up to be a reservist, I want to explore this a little bit further too, because if I'm being honest, and I was so happy to have this conversation, I've always, I admire so much, I really do, all of our members who serve across this country. I could do a whole show on how inadequately I think they are provided for, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, we could have that conversation. <laughs> Couldn't we? But I, I, I do. I admire it so much, and, and sometimes I wonder, do I have the jam to do this? And I might go cyber slacking mm-hmm. around and look at forces.gc.ca and mm-hmm. see what's out there in terms of positions and whatnot. 
what is required? Can is is recruitment happening now? It is happening now. We are so the army overall, so the reg forces and the reserves, we're about sixteen thousand soldiers shy, and that's a that's a huge huge number. If you can imagine a corporation that has sixteen thousand less employees than what they need, that's where we're sitting, and that's just to get you to the minimum. So yeah, we're in a huge recruitment drive right now. We're talking to anyone. You have to be 16, you know, to join the army. That's easy. You come in, we fill out the application, we get you through the process. The army isn't for everyone, but those that it's for, it is an amazing place to be. And, you know, we have in our regiment, we have lawyers and real estate agents and doctors and engineers and you know, you name it, we we probably have it. And it's people that do want to give back. But they learn so much in the Army. And they have a family as the Army is their family. And it's it's incredible. And I am like you. There, If there's one thing that I regret the most uh, growing up is not joining the Army in some way, shape, or form. I am so lucky that I get to serve right now in my capacity but I wish I could go back and, and actually apply and actually be one of those soldiers on the ground. Yeah, imagine if we could talk to our 18-year-old selves again. I right? know. Yeah. I, would, I would have a lot of lessons for my 18-year-old self. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned all that you learn, and these are transferable skills too, Absolutely. right? What you're yeah. learning as a member, you're applying in so many other walks of life. Yeah, yeah. So... One of my goals uh, throughout my term as honorary is to actually talk to employers. And I've, got, I've set a goal of talking to 200 employers about what the regimen is all about. And, you know, it's a lofty goal, but I'm going to get out there and, and have some good chats. But really, it's about if you have reservists on your team at work, you've got individuals that are overachievers. You know, they're, they've signed up not only to do their day job, but they've signed up for extracurricular activities. And who doesn't want that kind of a person on their team? Who doesn't want a team player? When people join the Army, we say to them, we, you don't have to be a superstar. We need you to be one of the team. We need you to be as good as the guy next to you or the girl next to you. We need you to be that person. And together, we will be the best that's out there. And yeah, some, you know, one Monday a month, they might come in a little groggy because they've been up at Meaford since Friday night and they haven't slept in 48 hours except on the bus ride home from Meaford. But they will have learned so much and they will come back with leadership skills and, you know, things that employers have to pay for on their own, they get for free because they have these people going to the, going to the army and getting trained. Listen, Jane, I've known people in this business that come to work a little groggy four Mondays a month because they made a little too merry on the weekend, if you know what I mean. Jane Klukman is the honorary colonel with the Royal Highland Fusiliers of Cambridge. I want to explore this employer opportunity a little bit further. We'll take a break and come back with more. You're listening to and watching the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. I'm joined in studio this morning by Jane Klugman, who's the honorary colonel with the Royal Highland Fusiliers 
of Cambridge. You said something before the break, Jane, that I just needed to explore a wee bit further. You've set the target for yourself. Nothing like setting the bar high. To get in front of, have conversations with 200 employers this year to let them know the value of hiring someone who is a member of the regiment. How do you even begin that process? When you're having these conversations, what does it sound like? It's... uh, We have such a a lack of, we don't have enough employees in this area, right? Everyone seems to be screaming for help. And so when I go out, the conversation really starts with, who do you want on your team? And wouldn't you want somebody who's an overachiever? Wouldn't you want somebody that, you know, shows up more than they have to, is a team player? You, you If you're in the Army, it's like what I said before, we don't want you to be the best, yeah, we have a lot of competitions and, you know, if you want to be the best, you can be the best. But we really expect you to be part of the team and we expect you to just back up the person who's beside you, in front of you, behind you. Like we all work together to achieve the best results. Don't you want that person as an employee? And, you know, don't you want somebody who gets trained? We have the best training in the Canadian Armed Forces, the best training like they will come back to you with skills far greater than you would have to pay for and and you know you get a very well-rounded employee usually at the end of the day yeah it sounds like a pretty easy sell when that's what you can be putting forward right yeah one of the things and i'm so glad we could have this conversation today and that you reached out to have it because one of the things i've always felt is that it's almost a uh, two solitudes church and state you've got our Canadian forces, you've got our military, and then you've got civilians, and the the two don't necessarily overlap or mingle a whole Mm -hmm. lot. But there is an openness to the regiment, and it is very public-facing at times. It is, you know. Before Christmas, we did a big food drive. So all the Sobeys locations in the region, we went to seven different Sobeys locations with our big trucks, and we collected, I'm going to forget how many thousand pounds, but it was... It was almost double what we collected last year. And last year was almost double what we collected the year before. And, you know, when we're out there, the whole community is so generous. And they always say, thank you for your service. They will, you know, they bend over backwards. And yet, I I have this feeling, this opinion that we live in a really safe community. So people think, well, that's what they do. And this is what we do. It's kind of an us and them. And somehow I can't be part of them because I'm a civilian. And yeah, I'll give, you know, at the food bank and all. I'm glad when they come to the Ranger game and they drop the puck for Remembrance Day. But it's us and them. And it's not. We are the community. We we live here. We work here. We serve here. We serve abroad. We need everyone to step up and be part of the regiment. And, you know, we're welcome to open the doors. We're welcome to do tours. You know, we want to see more of the community come in. And part of my role as honorary colonel is to really connect the community to the regiment. So, you know, thank you for letting me come in and and talk about it. I think it's great because you and I were saying earlier, kind of half-jokingly, if we could talk to our younger selves, Mm -hmm. right? So this might be, at my advanced years, the closest I can get to service. But I wonder from your perspective, if we could have talked to our younger selves, we said earlier, Mm -hmm. we would have considered some, uh, you know, a, a military career perhaps, what inspired you 
to get as involved as you have gotten involved in the last couple of years? So I went on the council in 2012. So our regiment has a council. We've set up a council. It's kind of like a board of directors. Um, some some regiments call it a senate. We call ours a council. And it's made up of a lot of former commanding officers, and it's made up of civilians. And so in 2012, Tom Jenkins was the honorary colonel at the time. Tom, of course, is the chairman of the board of Open Text. Um, and he said to me, Jane, I want you to come on. We have no diversity on our council. We have no women. Um, it's a lot of former commanding officers. So, you know, they all think one way, and which is not a bad way, but there's no diversity. So he brought five women on at the time. I'm the only woman left of those five. We have more women now, and we've diversified with civilians a lot more than what we had been in 2012. But it introduced me to the regiment. It introduced me to the traditions and the soldiers and all of the things that they do that I was one of those people that knew nothing about the regiment. Like I knew there was a pipes and drums band that went along with the regiment and they you know, had a feast of St. Andrew, but I knew nothing about what they did. So for me, it was this eye-opening experience. And, and I thought, I can serve my community and my regiment by being on council. And that was all I thought until the commanding officer of the day back in 2017 came to me and said, we'd like you to think about being the next honorary colonel. And of course, that's not just how it happens. It has to, you have to fill out a huge application. The application goes to it go first of all it gets vetted at the regiment level then it goes to brigade then it goes to division and if it gets through all of that then it eventually gets to the minister of national defense's desk who reads through everything and then either approves or denies and then it has to come back down the chain of command and through and sometimes that process takes a couple of years for whatever reason, mine went up and down the chain in like two months. And I was the honorary lieutenant colonel like right away. And I, so that was very exciting. And, you know, I had said to them too, I said, this is, this sounds to me like a huge commitment. And I'm not sure that I've got the time with my business and with everything else that's going on. So they said, no, we really, really need you to do this. We want you to research it. So I did a lot of research around what the honorary role is, um, who else was honoraries across the country um, because all of the reserve units have honoraries and whether it's Air Force or Navy. And it's an extremely, uh, an extreme honor to be an honorary colonel. So I have enjoyed every single aspect of it. And I say as a civilian, as someone with no military background, that it, I get a behind the scenes look at what's going on in the military. For example, Saturday... Uh, we were with the division, so it's brigade, then division. And we were with the division commander in Toronto being briefed, all of the honoraries in four division, which is our division. And we got, it's a, it's not a classified briefing, but it is a classified. They're like, don't tell everyone about it, but here's what's going on around the world. Here's where we're deploying our reservists. Here's where the reg force comes in. Here's how we're working together with the reg force. This is what's happening. And it's so interesting. We would never, I would never get that opportunity. And most people don't get that opportunity. So it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's really interesting story. And I hope this serves as an introduction to more people in the community about the regiment, what the regiment is all about. And if perhaps I know lots of employers listen to the show, Jane, if 
it might help you in the connection to the 200 that you wish to meet with this year as the honorary colonel. Is there a a best way of getting in touch with the Royal Highland Fusiliers of Cambridge or you personally? Yeah, the Royal Highland Fusiliers of Canada. And, you know, they can, our website isn't the best we're working on that, but, you know, they can get in touch with me on either LinkedIn and Jane Klugman, or they can jwklugman at gmail.com. That always works. I'm open to, I am happy to go out and see anybody and talk about the regiment with anyone or at any event. Um, and I'm happy to to tour people through the, the regiment itself, through the armory. We have not only the one in Cambridge, but also the one in Kitchener right beside the Odd. Right. Yeah. yeah. So those are both ours. And a lot of times um, what happens is we do early training at the regiment in Cambridge. And then when our soldiers are getting ready to deploy, we take them up to Kitchener and they run a lot more drills. So if you're out on a Thursday night and you may see soldiers out in the parking lot at the odd, you may see them running around the lawn at the, uh, at the armory there. It's, it's pretty interesting to watch them in action. I love the work that you're doing. Really appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Jane Klugman is the Honorary Colonel of the Royal Highland Fusiliers. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Well, we have not only bid farewell to the longest freaking month in the history of January's. Holy Hannah, felt to me like it was never going to end. It finally has. We are into the month of February. We talked yesterday on the show about February being Heart Health Month. It also is, of course, Black History Month. And our KW Titans are going to celebrate that occasion with their game tonight versus the Windsor Express. We'll have a conversation about that next. Stay with us on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. Every day, you get the opportunity to make an in-person mea culpa. But I'm able to do that right this moment because David Schooley was on the phone yesterday during one of our segments, and I was fresh out of time. Like, I have one boss around here. It's the clock. And the clock was telling me, thou must move on or else. And I left David hanging on the phone. But now, David Schooley, our good friend, award-winning broker with Remax. Twin City, the negotiator and the CEO of the KW Titans is in studio with me. Thank you for still accepting the invitation to be here, despite me leaving you literally hanging yesterday. Mike, it was on the calendar, so um, I was coming. <laughs> You're coming I was anyway. Coming anyway, but um, you know, I had, and I do have, and continue to have very strong opinions about bagels. Strong bagel opinions. You bagel say. opinions. Okay. Yes. Um, you know. I, I spent uh, my early 20s in Montreal. The home How of could I real forget? Bagels. But now they don't have holes, all of them. Uh, well, it's the unholy okay, bagel. So, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, one of the positive things that came out of COVID is St. Peter's bagels will ship to your house. 
So every six months or so, I put in my order and they will ship bagels directly from Montreal because bagels are, they have to be made a certain way. If you've never had a Montreal, actual Montreal bagel, you (laughs) haven't had a bagel. Fair enough. I'm just going to ask you to slide that microphone a little closer there. So I want to be able to hear every word you say about your bagel love in Montreal, which is great. Let's talk, though, the reason that you're here and it's in your calendar today. The KW Titans, game tonight versus Windsor, marks Black History Month. It does. And it's our second um, annual celebration with uh, the Waterloo Regional Police Services. And uh, we, uh, we're celebrating... And we were fortunate enough today to have a game against Windsor, um, uh, which who we beat last time. Uh, I just <laughs> I, want, I, ju- I just thought I would slide that in. That's my, a fact. Um, but you know, this is a celebration. It's a celebration of our athletes, um, and you know, Waterloo Regional Police. Um, it's uh, they're going to be out as our our uh, part, major partner tonight. So it's going to be exciting. Why is marking and celebrating Black History Month important to the KW Titans as an organization? Well, if you haven't been out to a game, um, and and I'm hoping you're going to come tonight, and I'm going to remind you a few times over the next few minutes. Um, but uh, you know, our the majority of our athletes, the majority of um, professional basketball players, I think it's somewhere around eighty percent uh, are you know of color. Right. Um, We have, um, I think we have 11 black players on our team. Uh, Sorry about that. We're going to need you. Uh, Of all these times you've been on the show, today you forget to put your phone on silent. Today I did forget to put my (laughs) phone on silent, and and that's a very important uh, uh, client calling. Um, But uh, I will have to put them on hold for now. Um, So today is, is a big day. Um, there's going to be some big announcements today, too. Announcements that I know I'd love to tell you and share with you right now, but I can't. I've oh, been, come on. There, uh, there's a police cruiser outside ready to arrest me if I make that announcement. <laughs> um, it is, it's, it's big. It's one of the biggest things um, that's coming to Kitchener. Um, uh, and we're so excited to be part of that announcement tonight. So this will be this announcement... Mm-hmm. is going to be made at the game tonight at the Memorial Auditorium between the Titans and the Windsor Express, who right. you beat last time. Uh, well, thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. Uh, so uh, today is uh, our fifth home game. Um, we're It's 7 o'clock. We're going to have a lot of special stuff out there. Um, we have a lot of local dignitaries. The mayors are coming out and, and local councillors. Um, Parker and Titus are going to be out tonight. Um, do you know who Parker is? I think I know Titus. I don't uh, think Titus I know Parker. Is our, so Parker Titus is, is the mascot. Yeah, so uh, WRPS is uh, mascot is Parker. Sorry, WRPS. I didn't know your mascot like <clears throat> yeah. I knew the Titans mascot. They're not going to be duking it out, but there's a good possibility that they uh, that they will be um, there'll be some sort of a competition between those two. But what I'm most excited about is celebrating our young athletes, right? Um, I think what what some people don't uh, understand or or haven't really um, picked up on is our athletes um, are competing around the world, 
right? These are, they're, you know, they're in their mid-20s to um, 30. Um, I have... I have three young players that just came out of uh, college in the U.S. Uh, from different different uh, areas. Uh, that this is their very first professional basketball um, contract, and one of them um, I know you might uh, you might actually see in the NBA draft this upcoming draft. Uh, my young man D Barnes, who is amazing, absolutely amazing. And if you haven't if you haven't been out to a game yet, um, come out and celebrate these these young men. Um, and one of the differences between going here, or going to a Raptors game after the game, come and meet them. We have an autograph line at the end of every game, uh, which is usually pretty long. Um, but you get to come out, meet them, get their autograph, talk to them, get to know them a little bit. Yeah, it's a good way to build the community and get the team connected to the community. We're in studio with David Schooley, who's the CEO of the KW Titans. Tonight's game versus the Windsor Express marks Black History Month with the Titans. We'll continue the conversation right after this. Stay with us. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. The KW Titans take on the Windsor Express tonight at the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. Good seats still available if you would like to join us for what marks the KW Titans celebration of Black History Month. And David Schooley, the CEO of the basketball club, in studio with me. As you did last season, David, this celebration of Black History Month is a partnership with Waterloo Regional Police. Right. So, uh, you know what, we, the WRPS, just like many um, police forces, are trying to actively working to bridge those gaps, right? Um, we, have, uh, we have players that, you know, um, that wanted to stay here last year because they'd rather be here than go back home, right? I mean, the, the community here is so open and we're so diverse and it's so welcoming, um, we think it's a great opportunity to to uh, put those two uh, things together, uh, and it tonight is going to be it's going to be like a festival at the game. We're going to have steel a steel band. Um, Chief Mark is going to be out. I think he might be doing the tip off. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, we're out to celebrate our athletes, and um, that's the exciting part. You mentioned earlier. Uh, one of your new players, uh, D. Barnes, was it? D. Barnes, Dean Barnes yes. who you might just hear his name in the upcoming NBA draft. You've also got a big man, as we call them, oh. your seven-footer, who unfortunately my, you're going to have to do without for a little big. while. Your big, my big, that's a- right, Axel, Axel Okongo. Yeah, so um, Axel is going to be leaving us uh, shortly uh, because he's been invited to play on the Central African Republic national team for a couple of weeks. So um, you know. The other 11 guys are going to have to man up a bit and work without Axel. But, yes, he's, uh, uh, he's our, our big, our, one of our bigs. I mean, we have uh, Darian Jones is 6'10", right? He's, he's, uh, it, uh, he's one of our, our players that it's, a, it's his first uh, professional outing. So you might see him in the G League or the NBA someday as well. So for tonight, and I always think it's worth reminding folks, you've said it so well, come out to a game, give me one chance, we're going to turn you into a fan. I've told you this before with our family, we absolutely love the atmosphere 
and the experience. And you've introduced uh, all manner of pricing tiers to allow access to the games. Right. So I have to warn you, though, if you have some sort of a heart condition, <laughs> uh, you you know, uh, maybe can't take too much you know, excitement. No, you can't. If you can't take too much excitement, it was it was kind of funny um, at the Windsor game uh, where we beat them last time. Um, the paramedics actually came over and were standing by beside me. I'm not really sure why they. I guess they felt I was somehow at risk. Um, but that we would love to see you out if you have not been out to a game. Um, recognize that you have professional basketball in your backyard. Um, and a couple other things that's going on. Uh, the Kitchener Athletic Awards. Um, those are coming up in, in uh, March, and we've been invited out. The KW Titans um, will be out at the Kitchener Athletic Awards. And we. I'm kind of hoping that we're going to provide uh, the keynote speaker for that. Excellent. And, you know, we've talked about it before, um, our YMCA partnership. Uh, we have a KW Titan coach or or player in all of their drop-in basketball programs throughout Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, and Guelph every six days a week. If there's a drop-in basketball program and uh, teen ba- drop a drop-in basketball, um, there's going to be a KW Titan there. Another great piece of outreach into our community, helping the next generation of basketballers learn the game. Uh, tickets at kwtitans.com, or we can pick them up uh, at the door tonight. What are the price ranges, David? So you can you can get a ticket for twenty two dollars, right? You can you can be uh, you can sit courtside for eighty five, uh, second row courtside sixty five. You can barely park in in and get a hamburger at uh, a Raptors game for uh, uh, for this quality of basketball. Um, you need to come out and check it out. I parked at a football game the other week for $70 U.S., so that sounds like a great bargain to me. Looking forward to seeing our Titans on the court tonight against Windsor as we celebrate Black History Month. Always good to see you, my friend. Thanks for being here. Excellent. Good. You know what? Um, I'm, I'll be looking forward to seeing everyone tonight, um, and we're uh, Sunday. We're, so I know you're running out of time. Sunday we're playing Newfoundland, who we... You know, we were in New, We spent the weekend in Newfoundland, and we won the first game and lost the next two. Um, the Newfoundland game on Sunday, first time Newfoundland has ever played in KW. It's going to be exciting Sunday at 2. I think everybody from Cambridge should be there. We've got a strong Newfoundland contingent. We, you know what? <laughs> the numbers for Sunday are, are mounting. Good. They're, they're mounting. Good. And we hope to get those numbers mounting for tonight, too. Titans and Windsor Express at the Memorial Auditorium. David Schooley, the CEO of the KW Titans, joining us on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV. Sometimes it's just the little things in life, right? That make you so happy? It's the smallest little thing. Could turn into a mood booster. Nothing small about the players for the KW Titans. Taking on the Windsor Express tonight. It's a celebration of Black History Month as we get Black History Month underway. You know what? It's Thursday night. Ain't no Ranger hockey. I think I think it's a perfect night to take in some basketball. Hope you will join us at the Memorial Auditorium for that game. 
between the Titans and the Windsor Express. I promise you, if you have not been, you will be thrilled with your purchase of a ticket to one of our local basketball games. Lots of fun. When I was talking about those little things that that make you happy, I was looking at, and it is quite literally a little thing, I think, uh, the pen that's in my hand today. I always have a pen in hand, and clearly I'm becoming known for this because I was with a buddy yesterday. He had reached out. He texted me last week. He says, Farwell, I need a custom jacket. I need something done just the right way. Uh, can you help me out? I'm like, of course I can, because our friends at Channers and Uptown Waterloo are the perfect people to get you outfitted with exactly what you want when it comes to a custom sport coat. And so off we went. And when I got there and I saw Mark, he said, oh, I've got new pens. You're a pen guy. And he handed me a couple of the Channers pens. And so now I get to have a Channers pen for the show today. As long as I have a pen in my hand, but this one is pretty fancy. I've got a pretty neat tip on it. Good ballpoint right there. Okay. Uh, Among other little things, and this occurred to me, I like to tell my friends and my family when it comes to the work that I do for a living, everything is show prep. And my family has really gotten used to this. So there will be times we'll be having a conversation. We might be laughing about something or telling a funny story or an embarrassing story. And they're like, don't let this go on the radio. I'm like, but wait, everything is show prep. You just kind of get into that mindset when you do this long enough. And so it was so simple. But I'm walking from my car in the parking lot to the door of this building to come inside today to start work. And there are speakers just outside our door to the radio station here playing one of our stations. This morning, it just so happened to be Brady and Tara on Chime 96.7. And as I approached the door to come into work, they had just finished talking and introducing the next song. And as I'm coming underneath the speaker, that song starts. And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is going to be a really good day. It was the song that provided the instant mood boost. And because everything is show prep, I thought, you know what? We've got the flip side to do on the show today. And I think that's a perfect topic because if there's a song that gave me an instant mood boost surely there's a song that gives you an instant mood boost right i'll tell you mine if you tell me yours the flip side is coming up stay with us it's the mike farwell show on city news 570 and rogers tv You know, if you work with somebody long enough, they might start to read your mind. And Devin Robertson, who's our guy on the other side of the glass, uh, essentially read my mind. With no instruction from me, he just noticed in the folder where we keep audio clips for the show that there was a song and it was labeled as for the flip side. Now, see, I intended to use that differently. I had given Devin no instructions whatsoever, but being the guy that reads my mind, he thought, I'm just going to start the segment with the song that Farwell heard on his way into work today that instantly boosted his mood. Well done by you, Devin Robertson. Thanks. 
No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's funny because I we didn't communicate that, and it works just fine the way you did it, probably even better. I was just thinking that I would reset the story. I'm walking from my car into the building. I'm just getting under the speakers outside the door, and what song comes over the speakers but Journeys Don't Stop Believing. And I'm not even joking. I, I, I heard it, and I walked inside. I thought, you know what? It's going to be a good day. It was an <laughs> instant mood booster. So that was the song. I chose as the instant mood booster. And I thought, if if I've got an instant mood booster, everybody's got an instant mood booster, right? Because music is awesome. Do you have an instant mood booster, Devin? Uh, I do. Of course you do. Yeah, who, who doesn't? Who right? doesn't, exactly. It's a song called I'm Alive by the Warbly Jets. <laughs> oh, the Warbly <laughs> Jets! Yeah. I'm Alive. Yeah. Is, is there something about it? Is it the tempo? What? Tempo, just it's serotonin right into your brain. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, just a good, upbeat, great song to start your day with. I love it. So, the Warbly Jets, Journey, and what song for you is the instant mood booster? When you hear it, there's an extra spring in your step. Maybe you start humming or singing along. Maybe, like me... You're walking into work and you hear that song and you're thinking to yourself, it is going to be a good day. 519-570-2545, star 570, 1-800-570-5715. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Hey, buddy. Um, it's a bit of an oldie, Mike. That's okay. Okay. Um, and it, it was a, t- a chart topper back in the day. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of Mary Hopkin? Mary Hopkin? I'm afraid I have not, and I'm sorry about that. Okay, the song is called Those Were the Days. Are you going to sing it, a little bit? I, I, I think I know this one a little bit. Sing a, sing a bit for me, Mark. Come on. Those were the days, my friend. I thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance and yes. party all the time. Yes, I'm remembering now. Absolutely. Okay. And it was co-written by Paul McCartney. Well, of course it was. I mean, one of the greatest songwriters of all time right Absolutely. there. So for me, when I hear that one, Mike, I actually do a little bit of a dance. Mary Hopkin, Those Were the Days. Yes, sir. I love it, Mark. Thank you, buddy. Hey, Mike. Good to hear from you, as always. Let's go next to Walter. Hey, Walter, what song gives you an instant mood boost? It's called I'm an Adult Now. Come on, really? I'm an adult now. Yes, yes, that's a good Canadian band, buddy. I'm I'm trying to keep it home, you know, so uh, let's go there Tuesday night, Farwell. I didn't sound too happy on... On the radio. Wait but, a minute. Uh, wait. What are you talking about? Tuesday night now. All of a sudden, Walter, you gotta, you gotta do me a favor. You gotta focus here for me. I focus, man. I gave you the song. I'm an adult now. Yeah. All yeah, right. Uh, Don't bring my okay. mood down by talking about Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Good luck tomorrow night. Is all I can say to you, pal. Walter is a fan of the Gulf Storm. By the way, who are playing a school day game today. You want to know something that instantly takes my mood down? It's having to broadcast a school day game in the Ontario Hockey League. That's not nice to say, but it's true. We haven't had to do one in a few years. I feel like by mentioning this out loud, they're going to make me do four of them next year. We had to do three school day games in one season the one year. School day games are Ontario Hockey League games that start at 11 o'clock in the morning. They do them in markets where... 
there isn't quite the same fan support as we get in Kitchener. Try to boost attendance, get kids out during the school day, they get to go to an OHL game, and maybe they become future fans. Anyway, Walter says the instantaneous mood-boosting song for him is I'm an adult now. Let's go next to Eric. Morning, Eric. Oh, hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Very good. Good. Uh, I think everybody has different music that they tend to like, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I broke my hand at concerts when I was younger, like for Tool or Pearl Jam. But I can't believe I'm saying the song that gets me going is I'm Walking on Sunshine by, is it Katrina and the Waves? It is Katrina and the Waves. Oh, my God. And I no, can't believe I'm it's okay. There is nothing wrong with. There's no shame in that at all. Not at all. I, I've broken my hands at concerts <laughs> in mosh pits. <laughs> you don't have to justify yourself, Eric. You don't have to. You're fine. You're fine. Oh, I just remember uh, there. It was. A, I don't remember the TV show, but there was a dancing baby on it, and that song used to come on. And uh, Ali McBeal. Ali McBeal. That, Ali, oh my God, I'm going to go watch Northern Exposure now. God. <laughs> Have a great day, Mike. Thanks. I'm glad I called in before Kyle. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm glad you called in, too. And I'm glad you were, you know, despite the fact that you broke your hand at concerts at Tool and other hard rockers, you can admit, hey, the song gets you going. You know what that song, Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine, will always, forever and ever remind me of. Eric connects it to Ali McBeal, the TV show. For me, and frankly, I thought that Ali McBeal was Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka, wasn't it? Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Sweet? Anyway, it doesn't even matter. Walking on Sunshine, Michael J. Fox in one of his lesser-known films called The Secret of My Success. And he's walking through an office as he's becoming more and more successful professionally, and they're playing Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. And I'm like, yes, bring it on. Inject it into my veins. How about a little bit of Bobby McFerrin and Don't Worry, Be Happy. Another song that might provide an instantaneous mood boost, which also, for some reason, no, it didn't become the theme song, but Bobby McFerrin did do the theme song in the later years of The Cosby Show. I don't know why this random trivia is popping into my head. What song for you is an automatic mood booster? Tell us on the flip side. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. So I'm walking into work this morning, and as I'm coming in, the speaker above the door outside the radio station was playing our sister station, Chime 96.7, and the song Don't Stop Believing" came over the speaker, and it just hit me, and I thought to myself, it's going to be a good day. An instant mood booster, thanks to Steve Perry and Journey. And so I says to myself, I says, if I've got a song that instantaneously boosts my mood, so must you. And so I ask you the question again on the flip side. 519-570-2545. Star 570 and 1-800-570-5715. Devin, forgive me, I didn't write the name of the song down. I remember the Warbly Jets because I'm familiar with the Warbly Jets, but the song title was? Alive. Alive. How could I forget that? I'm right here. I'm still alive. Alive by the Warbly Jets is Devin's song. <laughs> Go back to the phones. Hear yours. David, what song instantaneously boosts your mood? Well, this is an oldie. Okay. But, uh, she may have been a one-hit wonder, but when it played on the radio, which was quite frequently one year, 
it just got my blood flowing and made my day for the rest of the week and the rest of the year. Wow. It's quite you the song. You light up my life. You light up my life. I'm thinking that's not a one-hit wonder. Who sang that one? Hang on. I'm sure I should know this. Do you remember who sang it, David? No, I'm bad for names. That's okay. Male singer. And, Debbie uh, Boone. She yeah, she had way more than one hit. I'll take your anyway. Word but that was my my song for the rest of the week and the rest of the year. I love it, David. Thank you very much for calling in with that. I think it's an excellent because I, I knew like I knew that name. I can hear it in my mind. I'm like, no way, Debbie Boone was a one hit wonder. But that's the song. You light up my life for David. Kathy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Working for the Weekend by Loverboy. Oh, my gosh. So good. So and good. Running After You by Kitchener's Own, Major Hoople Boarding House. I love it. You're digging back into the archives here with Major Hoople. Yeah. Well done. They're the, they're the, they were the great, I'll tell you, they filmed their one and only video that I'm aware of at Cameron Heights. Come on. Oh, yeah, you should see it. It's, it's, it. I don't know if you can look it up even anymore, but it's crazy. They all had, like, little tight shirt shirts on and <laughs> mullets. And, yeah. So good. Kathy, thank right. you. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I love that. And, you know, working for the weekend, it's such a good one. I remember a song, and, again, you want to talk about something uh, lesser known. Roger Daltrey, not with The Who, but on his own. Uh, Days of Light. did, And I remember... My buddy and I discovered this when we were working landscaping. Well, this is back in my university days, so 30 years ago now. And it's got this, you know, um, a line, a lyric in it about, you know, looking forward to Friday at 5 o'clock or whatever. And we just loved that song. Loved that song. So that's what Kathy makes me think of when she says working for the weekend. Uh, Paul, over to you. What song instantaneously boosts your mood? Thump, <laughs> thumpin'. Uh, thump, thump, thumping. I'm with you. Chumba baby. Chumba Wumba. That's a very good one. I didn't know we shared the same musical tastes. Yeah, it's, it's not on, uh, you know, that, uh, oh, what's that other one? Uh, Texas Midnight Runner. Uh, one Hit Wonder. Come on, Eileen. Eileen, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paul, thank you. Tub thumping, I kid you not. So first of all, Chumba Wumba, the band... The album was called Tub Thumping. The biggest single from it was called Tub Thumping. They said they just wanted to to, uh, to write a good old drinking song. And Tub Thumping is what came out of it. When I first played that album, I bought and played the CD, because we used to buy the CDs all the time, right? And I'm telling you, I, I bought it strictly for the Tub Thumping song. I get knocked down, and I get up again. I'm telling you. And I fell in love with the album. I would use that album in its entirety, front to back, to boost my mood. Because every time I played it, it made me feel better. I, I to this day, strongly, strongly recommend investing some time in listening to that album, Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. I also remember a, a slightly misguided campfire argument I made. And by misguided, I may mean partially inebriated. When I convinced my friends or tried to convince my friends around that campfire that Tub Thumping by Chumba Wumba was the greatest album of all time. I may have pushed that a little bit too far, but I stand by the quality of the album in general and certainly the song Tub Thumping. Rockin' Ronnie. 
How you doing, Farzee? I'm not surprised to hear from you, my friend. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Good. Um, as you know, I love the oldies, eh? I know. And my favorite one, by all means, is Satisfaction. Oh, some by, Rolling Stones. By the Rolling Stones. Absolutely. And there's another one, but I can't remember who did it, but that song, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. I don't know who did that anymore. <laughs> I, they, play it, they play it out at the car show every so often when I'm walking by the stage. Or the, of course, the, the why would they? Why wouldn't they, yeah, Ronnie? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Good job, yeah. buddy. Right on. Go Rangers, finally, I hope. I hope you're right, Ronnie. I hope you're right. Tomorrow night, big game against the Guelph Storm. Rockin' Ronnie's go-to song, Instant Mood Booster, Satisfaction by the Stones. What's yours? The song that instantaneously boosts your mood. We'll get to more calls right after this quick timeout. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. The question today is what song provides an instantaneous mood boost for you? Don't Stop Believing by Journey got me in the right mood today. Alive by the Warbly Jets for Devin Robertson, our guy on the other side of the glass. Whole bunch of emails. Sweet Caroline, Anne Murray's a little good news. Uh, Marjorie says, You Gotta Be by Desri. Diane, My Life by Bon Jovi. Phil loves to cruise to Sammy Hagar. Can't drive 55. I do not recommend that behind the wheel. It's just nothing goes well. You can't end well. If you're listening to that while you're driving, let's go back to the phones. Grant, good morning. Yeah, good morning. What song gives you an instant mood boost? I always like Whitney Houston. I I used to do a lot of karaoke and. Karaoke. Which song? Which Whitney Houston song? Just any Whitney Houston song? Greatest gift, greatest love of all. Oh, a very good one. A very good one. You know, they use Whitney Houston for a gold song in Saginaw. I was listening to a little bit of the Sue Greyhounds Saginaw Spirit game last night on the radio. And I got to hear that uh, I want to dance with somebody again. I just heard it a bunch of times when I was in Saginaw myself on the weekend. They use Whitney Houston as a whole song. Lisa, good morning. Hey, Mike. You know, there's so much good music. It's hard to pick just one, but I, I narrowed it down to two. So okay. um, one would be the very first Springsteen song I ever heard, which was Promised Land. Nice. Um, gets me going. And then um, Major Hoople's Boarding House, Someone. You're the second Major Hoople's boarding house this morning, Lisa. Am I? Well, yeah. it, gives, it gives my age away. I didn't hear the first one, but uh, <laughs> they, used to, they used to come and play at Waterloo, Oxford for our dances, and um, that the voice of the lead singer, he was amazing. I thought around here, Lisa, we called Waterloo, Oxford, W-O. Well, we we do, but I'm I'm being I'm being <laughs> official for anybody that doesn't know. I love later, it. So. Good for anyway. you. Take care. Thanks, Lisa. That's Radio 101 right there. Don't use the slang. Everybody has to understand that W.O. means Waterloo, Oxford. Major Hoople's Boarding House. Again, I love it. And Lisa's so right. There's so much good music. How do you boil it down to one song? Jeff, what's your one song that instantaneously boosts your mood? Well, I've got to agree with you on Journey. Just about anything by them is great. But uh, the one that comes to mind that I wanted to mention was uh, Honeymoon Suite. Uh, new Girl Now. Ooh, I love... And boy, did I ever enjoy watching that video when I was a kid, too. Yeah, they're great. Solomon Nolan Sound was fantastic, and considering seeing them again in Kitchener, it was such a good show. Really? No kidding? Yeah. I love it, Jeff. Thanks fantastic. for the, 
Thanks very much for the call. Good to hear from you. New Girl Now by Honeymoon Suite. Teddy, what say you? Uh, my favorite song to get me boosted is I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. That's so good. That's just, just fantastic. Newer and still it just got it, doesn't it? Well, I heard it the first time when I was down celebrating New Year's Eve in the Dominican Republic, and uh, it was probably the most fantastic New Year's Eve I've ever experienced. I absolutely love it. Teddy, thank you. What a great memory. I'm going to squeeze in one more, but I'm so tight for time. Gladys, good morning. Good morning, Mike. What's the song that gives you an instant mood boost? Oh, my goodness, you wouldn't believe. Doris Day, Que Salah Salah. It's perfect. What? Yes, I love it. You, you know, you could do more housework with it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. Well done, Gladys. Okay, salam, salam. Yes, the future's not ours to see. That's okay, salam, You got it. Gladys, I love it. And you can get more housework done. There you go, a little Doris Day. Our friends at Rogers TV, they already signed off. I'm sorry I didn't get to say an official goodbye. Really appreciate Robert and the entire team that keeps the TV side of this show operating from 10 till noon every day. We continue on the radio side. Your 12 o'clock talk back hour is coming up on the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Take out the papers and the trash. Just finish cleaning up your room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. Get all that garbage outside. Or you don't go out Friday night. Please talk back. I like to add that part. I said please. It is your 12 o'clock talk back hour. And we encourage you to yakety yak your ding dang face off. What would you like to talk about? During our 12 o'clock talk back today, 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Everything's fine over here. Don't worry about it. In the immortal words of Mikey, the Moose Reeves. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Uh, By the way... I sent myself an email that I haven't gotten back to, but just playing that clip reminds me that I have the opportunity to share with you yet another example or the latest uh, inductee into the driver of the day. And it's all of y'all on the expressway. I'll grant you that I was merging on from Herb Street in Waterloo at rush hour-ish yesterday afternoon, a little after four. But if you ever tried this before, you're getting on at Herb Street to go, which way am I going now? I'm going eastbound on 7-8. Actually, by this point, I'm getting on southbound 85. Try to make it all make sense. You know, I'm merging on at Herb, right? You just come past the church there. Boom, you hop on. And you could stay in the on-ramp lane if you want to and just get right off at Lancaster, which is part of the problem because people want to get off at Lancaster. If they're coming southbound on 85, you want to get on. The bottom line is this. If you are on the expressway in and around rush hour and you are approaching that exit, you got to get over. You got to make some room or we need to learn how to zipper. We really need to learn how to zipper because our lane 
the lane I had to merge into, the right lane on 85 South, came to a dead stop. I'm not talking a crawl. I'm talking a dead stop. When you are accelerating to merge into traffic on the expressway, you cannot stop. If you do, I declare you the dumbass driver of the day. All right, with that off my chest, let's go to the phones for the 12 o'clock talkback hour today. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I want to talk about regional, our local regional airport. Sure. I know we went through an election, and a number of members of our regional council were are brand new now. But our regional chair is still the same. And I'm, my question to you is, how many of those now members, new members, not new members, old members who are got reelected, voted against expansion of the airport and are now going around with a smile on their face about the positive news about the airport? Uh, you know what, David, that's that's a good question. I, I don't know off the top of my head the number of councillors this term who were there last term and voted against the expansion. But you're right. There was there were some. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, too. I supported that pause on the expansion. I thought I still think we were moving a little bit too quickly. We had a business case built. When we reach certain passenger thresholds, that would trigger the next expansion. And for whatever reason, we decided we needed to expand even before we reached those passenger thresholds. So me being slightly cheap, uh, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know what, we can wait on this. But the good news you're talking about, of course, is the record number of travelers last year, right? An 18.39% increase. Exactly. Yeah. And the money we save because you delay, it costs you more money. That's true. Good. You know what, David? That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Thanks, David. You too. Another interesting airport-related question that was asked of me offline earlier today, maybe last... I saw the message this morning. Uh, forgive me. Sometimes I do go to bed at night. But... Uh, and I think it's an interesting interesting question. Flair Airlines, of course, is our, our darling locally because it's ultra low cost and it gets you to a bunch of places for very little money. We've heard our share of, I'm, I'm trying not to use horror stories, but they've been pretty tough stories, right? Especially for the passenger affected. And, and somebody asked me today, if Flair Airlines is not paying, okay, it owes $67 million to the Canada Revenue Agency for taxes, it's all well and good that it's got a payment plan. That's what the airline says. Canada Revenue Agency says, well, you know what? We might have to seize assets here. But the question asked of me is, if they're not paying their taxes, are they paying their airport fees? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, I think it's a good question. And maybe I'll see if I can find out. Uh, we continue the 12 o'clock talk back. Ranger Joe, good afternoon. Hey, Mikey, how are you? Great, Joe. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Mike. I, I was just heading into my auto mechanic when you had that favorite song segment, and I just wanted to tell you mine. It's uh, Led Zeppelin's Fairway to Heaven. Oh, so good, eh? I love the start of it. You know, it's so tranquil and so slow and easy going. And then, yeah, like, it's just a, an excellent song. I just love that song. I wanted to share that with you. And there was one other thing I wanted to comment on was, um, and you've complained about this before just like I have, uh, the Iron Needles uh, Road, where there's uneven sections everywhere. Well, guess what? They've created another one like that now. Uh, they redid the uh, road 
uh, leading from Fisher Home and the Bleams Road up to about the cemetery roughly up there. And it started out as being all one beautiful level, right, of pavement. And now it's because as they got close to the finish line, they patched this, they did that, and now it's just like iron needles, Mikey, uh, and I just don't understand. You know, I'm not a construction guy. Uh, maybe there's things that I don't understand about it, but you would think at some point in the project, you would get one coating of pavement where it's all the same instead of running up that road and, and your car literally shaking apart underneath you, you know? So that's what's happening. That's that's my only complaint about that one, Mikey. All right, Joe, appreciate the call. Ranger Joe, always good to hear from you. It's interesting. Iron Needles I often refer to as a racetrack because nobody, and I do mean nobody, drives 60. But you might as well call it the Iron Needles Corduroy Road because it is so chewed up and so bumpy. And you got to wonder about the shocks and anything else on the undercarriage of your vehicle for sure. Quick break. We're back with more of the 12 o'clock talkback hour for this Thursday afternoon. You're listening to the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Use that commercial break to crank out a few more push-ups for the push-up challenge. In support of the Canadian Mental Health Association, I, along with a number of co-workers, have taken up the challenge. We are going to do 2,000 push-ups between now and February the 23rd, which will represent the 20% of Canadians who will experience a mental illness each year. My only quibble early on... and. I used to be much better at this, much more disciplined. Every 30 minutes during the day, I would do push-ups during the news breaks. And I've kind of gotten out of the habit. I thought this push-up challenge would be a good way of getting me back into it. So I have been. I do little sets of 25 at a time. But the thing is, the push-up challenge gives you a target number of push-ups for the day. And it won't let you go over. So I just completed my third set of 25 And so that equals 75 push-ups, right? But the target for today is 49, and it won't let me input that I've done 75 push-ups. Maybe I'm just an overachiever. Anyway, uh, you can find out more and the link to donate to our on-air flair team if you are so inclined. You'll find it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell Show, on Twitter, at Farwell underscore WR. And yes, I was brave enough to even post a video. You're welcome to critique my form, if you like. (laughs) Let's go back to the phones. Shelly, it's the 12 o'clock talk back. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I have a couple things to to just discuss today. Um, First of all, the gentleman at uh, Dollarama on Fairway Road yesterday that cried like a baby and made a huge scene in the store because he well, didn't get hang his receipt. On, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm not aware. Can you give me more background on what? And Okay. okay. Um, I was at Dollarama yesterday on Fairway Road. Okay. There was a gentleman in there losing his ever-loving mind because they didn't give him a receipt that they had asked him if he wanted. He said no. And then freaked out and screamed and yelled and threatened people in the store. So the police were called, and the police did come by. The guy, of course, took off. He was just acting like an idiot, and there's no need for that. And I want to just say I'm sorry to the people that were in that store that had to witness it and the 
young folks that were working the registers that had to deal with them. For sure. I understand that, Shelley, and I'm just going to remind you of something that our friend Helen Fishburn once said. Helen is the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association of Waterloo Wellington, and when she said it, I never forgot it. She said, we know the what, but we don't know the why. So we certainly know that this man acted inappropriately. We just don't know how bad a day he might have been having or what he was dealing with. Right. I I agree. I agree. Okay. One other thing. um, I actually emailed you a couple days ago about this. I live very close to the corner of Ottawa and Homer Watson. Oh, yes. I heard. I saw this email. I even read it. Tell me the story. Yeah. You responded to me. So there is a traffic light on Ottawa Street at Keel Street. Right by the Concordia Club. Right. So you come underneath the expressway out of the roundabout. As soon as you get under the expressway, there's a a traffic light. On two different occasions over the last three or four days, I happened to be looking out my window at nighttime. I believe it was Friday or Saturday evening. Two cars, the only time that light would usually be red is if somebody's crossing. And it crosses, people cross a lot because they're going to the Ion. Um, there's several bus stops right there, so it is red occasionally. Um, a gentleman or a person, I don't know who it was, in a car drove right through a red light, and another person made a left turn from Ottawa onto Keel Street on a red light. Now, the last time I checked my driving book, you're not allowed to make a left turn on a red light. You're right. So I did call um, the police. Uh, The police said um, there's really nothing they can do until they catch the people and that they said that they would let the officers in the area know. Um, And maybe the officers could... uh, parole more often in that area and i also did call the region too to see if there would be anything they could do as as in a uh, maybe something like before the light um something maybe on the edge of the bridge like a flashing something like red light ahead something like that and they kind of just sent me back to the police so just want to let everybody know in that area to um sorry just be careful um when they're crossing because just because the light is red doesn't mean cars are going to stop. It's a great reminder to all of us, Shelley, and you are some kind of fired up. I appreciate it, though. And, hey, if you're on Ottawa Street at Keel and you're either ignoring and driving straight through a red light or making a left-hand turn against the red light, you, sir, are a Dumbass. driver of the day. This is your 12 o'clock talkback hour. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. 1226, four minutes away from your update in the City News Centre. Right back to the phones we go. Grant, you're on the 12 o'clock talk back. I'm going to touch on three things. I I heard from, uh, I don't know if you heard this yesterday on Rob Snow. There's this fellow that, uh, oh, just, they came back from Iraq or, or somewhere in are you listening to a foot in cold water in the background? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I love it. Make me do anything. Okay, uh, sorry. A fellow that came back from where? From, uh, not Afghanistan. Uh, okay, so he's back from war, and? And he was he was going through some... Uh, PTSD? Some treatment to yeah. help himself get over it. And he took his life i i guess maybe the treatment didn't act 
right away, and it, it, yeah, he. That's he, a tragic story. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, there's this late late night sports radio channel that you can call in. There was this little boy. He was twelve years old. It was about one o'clock. What are you doing listening to the radio at one o'clock in the morning? Well, it was interesting. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And this little boy said, "No, don't tell my parents that that I'm that I'm still up." <laughs> <laughs> but he sounded pretty smart in talking about football and maybe what we should do for the Ranger game when the next time the London Knights come is have Taylor Swift come on or have her come out, come come here. And maybe that will distract the players, right? Because she's a cute-looking little... Okay. You're, you know what? Maybe maybe it will. I love that. I love the kid calling into sports radio. I like to listen to the radio a little bit as I drift off every night. And last night I set my timer for 14 minutes. I think I lasted 14 seconds. I'm not like that little kid. And I love the story. I love that you're listening to the radio and that we got a little can-con in the musical background with Grant right there because a foot in cold water, my friend is Canadian content music. We're killing it today on the Farwell Show. Adam, good afternoon. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Good. So, hey, I don't know about Taylor Swift at the Rangers, <laughs> but actually it's, uh, it's interesting because my, my call-in today is, is about the auditorium. Um, I had gone to a Ranger game, like two of them in the last month, and I was rather disappointed at the lack of non-alcoholic uh, adult beverages available because I was driving that night and I figured, hey, you know what? Maybe I will get a non-alcoholic beer because there's lots of them out there now. And they all they had for me at the one I went to was one dusty old can they had to dig out of the back of the fridge and that was all they had. And the second time they had nothing. So I think somebody should probably ring their bell a little bit because, you know, this is 2024 and... There should be more more options, especially when they're available on the market. Yeah, fair enough. Not a, a fountain pop or a bottle of water wouldn't do it for you, eh? Well, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, hey, I don't know if you've had some of the new non-alcoholic beers they got out now, but it's it's a lot different from the old Molson XL, which is all they had for the longest time. Yep. And now a lot of the breweries are getting into the craft non-alcoholic beers, and they're fantastic. And uh, they sell really well, from what I've been told at the games. Like, you know, the lady behind the bar said, oh, geez, it's not that they don't sell. Hmm. It's just that we don't order enough of them. So, I don't know. I figure maybe I can, you know, hopefully somebody's listening and we'll, uh, we'll act. All right. Adam, appreciate the call. And, hey, keep supporting those Rangers, buddy. Well, will do. Sounds good. And everybody listens to this show, Adam. So from your lips directly to uh, buyers, that's the word I was looking for, ears at the odd. Maybe some more non-alcoholic beers. So here's the thing about me and the zero percents. Uh, I go back to the old, you know, the old days, tried them, did not like them. Everybody says, oh, you got, this is so good now, it doesn't even taste like a non-alcoholic beer. And then I taste it, and I'm like, this is not good. I did not enjoy that. However, as Adam says, I've been hearing good things. And you know what? I used to be that guy that said the same thing about gluten-free. Every single time somebody brought something to work, it's gluten-free, but you're going to love it. You'd never know the difference. I'm like, this tastes like cardboard. However, 
I have since discovered gluten-free by Susie right up here at the boardwalk. I've discovered Winnie's gluten-free over in Belmont Village. And you know what? It's really good. You wouldn't know it was gluten-free. So maybe, Adam, I might try one. I might just try one. And anybody at the Memorial Auditorium that might want to put a few more in stock, Adam would be appreciative. He'll drink six of your 0% beers because he's the DD. The 12 o'clock talk pack hour continues on the Mike Farwell Show. You're listening to City News. Phone lines are busy on the 12 o'clock talk back today. Love to see it. There's still, oh, we got one for you, though, if you'd like to be a part of the shenanigans. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Kyle, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I could hear you. Okay, hang on just one sec, because there's something we haven't done in a while, okay? Okay. We don't want no mustard. We don't want no relish. <laughs> Just give us ketchup. Ketchup, ketchup, ketchup. Ketchup King Kyle. Yeah! Ketchup King Kyle. Ketchup King Kyle. What will he say now? Ketchup King Kyle. Ketchup King Kyle. Will you stay for a while? Ketchup King Kyle. Ketchup King Kyle. There is no mistake. Ketchup King Kyle, Ketchup King Kyle, he puts ketchup on a steak. I missed that. I missed that too. That was going to be my power. Uh, I was going to call in for the, thir- for the you know, what, what pump- pumps me up. Oh yeah, the song that puts you in a good mood instantaneously. <laughs> well, there you go, Ketchup King that's, Kyle. That's one of them, but I'm going to go back to the 90s. Uh, the most fantastic lineup in basketball, uh, Scotty Pippen. Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman. Those bulls, baby. Those bulls. Those bulls. So I'm going to go to um, Pump Up the Jam by Jock Jam. All right. Meh. You don't like it? You don't like it? That's really? fine. It's fine. I like. I got a feeling fine. by the Black Eyed Peas better, but whatever. But that's a little more modern than you're going back to the 90s. How can you not? You got like four different songs mixed in there. Listen, <laughs> I was in a totally different place in the 90s, pal. You seem disappointed. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> it was my twenties were a dark decade, Kyle. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll let that slide this time. I thought you'd be a little more excited. Thanks, all right, man. nice try. And hey, wait, Kyle, before you go, yes. Do you know that a, a fellow named Eric called before and said he was glad he got to call before you? Is there some Kyle and Eric beef we need to figure out here? Do you know him? I have no idea who Eric is. Wow. Okay, he must just be a regular casual listener because i don't hear from him on the phones a ton but when he called earlier he said i'm just glad i got here before kyle so there you go wow competition shots buddy shots you got competition fired. shots fired across kyle's bow <laughs> all right thanks a lot <laughs> thanks kyle good to hear from you today joe good afternoon afternoon mike how are you doing ah uh, joseph i'm so good if i were any better i'd have a royal last name like yours so you bet if you're any better there'd be two of you I think the world is content with one of me. Yeah, I just want to have so good. I just want to have uh, a last name like yours, so I could be royalty in this town. Wow, there you go. Yeah, you got to work up to that. I'm Uh, trying. Six years. Sorry, you said you're not so good today. What's up? No, I played squash after taking two weeks off, and you know, you you uh, note to you the listeners: don't think you can play squash if you take two weeks off, and you know, you get effed up really bad. (laughs) Well, Joe, for first of all. 
we've met before. You're you're a man of advanced years. Now you're not old. Don't get me wrong. But what are you doing? Like you just what are you doing, Joe? Throwing myself around the court, bleeding all over the court. Oh my gosh! Listen, I got a reptile pulled, and I got entertainment. I'm, I provide serious entertainment for all those who watch. Yeah, how many people watch your uh, squash matches? Full Joe? gallery. No, stop it! You're full of baloney. Uh, truth is more interesting than any crap I can make up. That's very true. Now, could I make a suggestion, a humble suggestion to you, sir? Don't throw your body around at, at my age. Don't die for balls? In that vein, yes. Have yeah. you considered pickleball? Because it's all the craze. Oh, I play. Well, I, then? I was playing at Greystone until they burnt down. <laughs> Find another place to play pickleball. Because clearly you should not be playing squash. What's, am I all of a sudden, is this a, a doctor call-in show now? Is it the Dr. Farwell show? Because I'll tell you right now, you're too ding-dang old to be doing this to yourself. Well, I'll tell you what. Okay. I can do a lot of freaking push-ups, even with a torn rotator cuff. You're okay. How, yeah, really? I'm at seventy-five already today. How many are you at? Uh, I could probably do five hundred in one day. You are full of. You are so full of crap. Yeah, but my kids could do a thousand in one day, but they're freaks. They're not normal. <laughs> I, I. You know what? It, this is funny. Usually, I believe your calls sound somewhat credible cranky but credible you sound completely incredulous today nothing you are telling me sounds remotely true with breaks i could probably do 100 push-ups in an hour but you know i could have done a lot more when i was in martial arts but that that's beside the point i, I want to tell you something you said you did 75 today yes sir i i would pay money to watch you do 25 push-ups if you could do a 25 straight i uh- watch you would I'll pay, pay money. money. Okay. Well, in that case, Joe, please check out our show Facebook page or my Twitter. So the show Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell show, really easy. Or my Twitter at Farwell underscore WR because I posted a video of my first set at seven o'clock this morning. All right. I get, once I get off the phone, I'm going to do 100 push ups in one hour. You are not. You are up. not going to. Okay. I'll give you know what? I'll make another hundred dollar donation. Well, you didn't say how much you were going to give. Did you say a hundred bucks? No, you said you'd pay uh, money. Let me think about it. Let me just try this out and then we'll, we'll talk. But uh, I, I want to physically see you. I want to be in person to watch you. Do I'm push. telling you, I, I, it, the video was there. It's not fake news. Okay. And the link is right there for you to make a donation to the Canadian mental health association. Yeah, but there's AI and everything. No, no, can, I don't even can, know how to use AI. Stop it. You can fake a video. You, Come on. <laughs> No, I did not fake the video. All right. Well, you are the fake only news. way I'm going to pay is if I'm in person to watch you do it. Well, I want to see the sweat roll down your uh, beat of your, your nose and, uh, you know. Fine. Well, listen, fine. I know your last name. I know your royalty in this town. I want more than 100 bucks. How's that for driving a hard bargain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can get the family together and put, the, put something together. I like it. All right. You have a good one. I'm up at the lake now, so I'm done for the weekend. That's bye now. Yeah, yeah, bye-bye, exactly. Hang up on you after that, and so we can hear this properly. You are fake news. There you go, take that. Uh, it's true. I did do push-ups on several occasions, doing sets of 25 today, for the push-up challenge for the Canadian Mental Health Association. And if you would be so inclined as to toss a little money to the on-air flare team, I've got Luke Schultz, our traffic reporter on City News 570, Josh Gorey, our intrepid reporter that you hear every morning here on the station, and Christine Clark, our morning news anchor, all news mornings with Christine and that other guy. 
he's that other guy because he's not involved in the push-up challenge. I don't know what's with everybody else at this radio station. And then from our sister station, Country 106.7, Ryan Goss, who does the afternoon show, and our buddy from promotions here at the radio station, Ryan Schantz. We're all getting together. We're going to do 2,000 push-ups between now and February the 23rd. And that is representative of the 20% of Canadians who will experience a mental illness this year. We're trying to raise a little bit of money. We're trying to raise a little bit of awareness. And hey, when you get physical, when you do things, motion is lotion, my friend Paul Fixter likes to say. And it makes you feel better. You want some serotonin? Get a little bit of motion into you. So we're trying to do the push-up challenge this month. You can find it. On our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell Show, or on Twitter at Farwell underscore WR. Quick break, back with more of the 12 o'clock talk back hour on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. It is 12.48, which is 12 minutes away from a 1 o'clock update at the City News Center. And then now you know with Rob Snow, plenty of time, though, left for you and me today on the 12 o'clock talk yeah. back. Carlos, good afternoon. Hello. Hi. Hi. I just called in because i like some help. The power the radio has can help. One of the issues I am listening to the news today is about the med- med- medical-assisted death. And they are going to delay and they don't explain anything about Alzheimer's or dementia, who have been defined you know, as a mental Ill- a disease. Uh, they are illness on their own identity. And trying to call, trying to find information for the last year or two anywhere, even though I used to work in the healthcare system before I retired, I haven't been able to get any information whatsoever. Carlos, I really appreciate the call on a really important issue. And the best thing I can tell you to do, because this is federal legislation, please get in touch with your member of parliament. Yeah, because you have a lot of audience that are... I have 43 listeners, 43 exactly, so... Yeah, yeah. what I'm saying is, I listen to your program very frequently, I'm one of them, probably... You can you can explore with the power the radio has to invite someone who can talk about this. Carlos, I appreciate the call. And you know what? We will look into it further. I will say again, I said it earlier because we talked about this briefly on the show this morning. I am pleased that we are waiting until 2027 now. That's how long it's a, it's a three year further pause in allowing mental illness solely as a criteria for medical assistance in dying. But there will be opportunity to discuss it more, and I appreciate your passion for the subject, Carlos. And and Alzheimer's and dementia, I understand where you're coming from and how they are their own thing in this regard. And maybe there is room within existing legislation if you suffer from Alzheimer's, dementia, etc. But these are important conversations, and again, I would strongly encourage you to contact your MP. John, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, I'm coming late to this uh, this conversation, but my brother-in-law called, called me and said, uh, I'm out of breath. I should give you a call. 
you were talking about push-ups and the health benefits and everything of that. Yes, sir. I would. I think I should share something uh, that I, I think uh, physical exercise is great. You should never stop doing what you can. But I, be, I, I made a little wager with myself when I turned sixty-seven uh, that maybe I should try to do 67,000 push-ups over the course of the year until I, my 68th birthday. 67,000 for the year. That was my goal. So okay. I got started and doing them in the real way and uh, using your wrists as springs and everything, but I guess I got too, a little too aggressive. And I've always done push-ups, but not like that detail. Anyway, I had to quit for 18 days uh, due to wrist injuries, and I thought I was going to have to quit for the year, but... I made push-up bars where I could keep my wrists straight. Nice. And they are a lot harder, I'll tell you. I missed the spring in the wrist. But anyway, I kept I kept going, and uh, I'd just like to share that I surpassed that goal and ended up uh, finishing on my 68th birthday, and, and I did a total of 162,125. Holy Hannah. So I'd only go down once a day, take 20, 25 minutes, and uh, done, and that's, I just thought people should know that even though they get older, you can uh, kind of still do this stuff. Well, but if you're, for 20 or 25 minutes, you had to be cranking out like 400 push-ups a day, weren't you? I was like 500. Uh, I, I started, I, the last three months I was doing 500, and that would take me, oh, 28 to 30 minutes. That is impressive as all get out, John. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I say, it wasn't without injury. Well, so... I've played a lot of broom balls in my life. I like competition, and and all through the years, I always like doing push-ups. I won a lot of beer doing young guys' push-up contests. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well done, sir. So I just thought I'd share that that uh, people keep keep doing some exercises. It's good. I'm I'm seventy one or seventy now. So and we went down to Mexico with our uh, friends last year, and they had a push-up contest run by the uh, event there at the edge of the pool. 14 of us started. They're 25 to 35-year-old guys. And I was just a joke as far as everybody else going, but I beat them all. boy. So anyway, share that. Uh, consider it shared, John. Well done. That might be a new inspiration. I started doing push-ups in the studio on occasion of my 50th, and I thought, you know what? If I start the beginning of the year, by the time I reach my 50th birthday, which is later in the year, I'll be able to do 50 push-ups straight on my birthday. And I managed. I never thought of trying to do 50,000 over the course of the year. Hmm. And remember, a bunch of us here at the radio station are doing the push-up challenge for the Canadian Mental Health Association. And you can find the link to donate on our Facebook page. This is the Mike Farwell Show. 12 o'clock talkback continues on City News 570. Final moments together today. Parting is such sweet sorrow, but we do not part until we've heard from Mike. Mike, I got about 60 seconds, but it's all yours. Mike, I'd like to talk about the federal government's and the provincial government's increasing funding for it to deal with auto theft and organized crime. Uh, it's great that you're going to provide investigative resources, but I would also like them to see extend prison sentences. I'd also like them to have sanctions on the countries that accept these cards. And I'd also like to see any ship shipping company like Merck, if they ship uh, 
stolen cars or anything, we should seize their ships. It's the only way to send a message that enough is enough. Mike, appreciate the call and the nature in which you expressed your message, which was pithy. It was succinct. It was right to the point. I think there is a lot of work to do in that regard, and there was a lot of money flowing from the feds yesterday, helping to combat car thefts, helping to provide support, housing for asylum seekers, much of which will end up in Toronto, and so it goes. Thus ends our time together for another day. Looking ahead at tomorrow, it's Friday. We'll have our Friday 4 panel. We'll have the Coaches Show. We'll have our regular feature called Living Retired. Much fun will be had by all, and I look forward to talking to you again then. Devin Robertson is our guy on the other side of the glass. My name is Mike Farwell. Rob Snow and Now You Know is coming up next. Bye for now.